On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Cybertruck visits the very place that will soon build it. Elon Musk gives an update on the availability of the full self-driving beta download button and an explanation of why they're switching to a vision-only system. Tesla sets a date for its next quarterly earnings call and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 298 of Ride the Lightning for April 18th, 2021. And I wanted to start real quick with an update on Daisy. She had her uh, checkup today, another scan of her chest, as well as an echocardiogram of her heart and some blood work to make sure that the medication is being tolerated by her system okay. And thankfully, I have good news to report. She is doing well. Uh, She's far from out of the woods yet, but the good news is her left atrium, which uh, I'm told by the veterinary cardiologist is kind of the critical one where when that goes, that's sort of the last uh, stage of the heart disease. That has gotten significantly smaller. She now classifies it as only moderately enlarged. So that is some really good progress. It has come a long way. So that's good news. Meanwhile, her left ventricle, still severely enlarged, still abnormal, but it has improved. It has walked back from what she seemed to indicate was kind of the precipice. So we're, you know, still, still, uh, again, not out of the woods there, but moving in the right direction. And then her heart muscle, kind of a similar thing. It's uh, still, she said, severely abnormal, but it's improved. So that is good. Hopefully, the diet is really the key to this, and this was a diet-induced thing, but she told me she's not ready to make that call yet till at least six months. It's only been two, but uh, that's the good news. I had to tell myself that when I drove out of the parking lot after the appointment. I had to tell myself, well, she could have easily told me the results could have just been, well, everything's the same, or the results could have been, I'm sorry, her heart's even larger. It's, you know, I don't know how much time she had. Like, it could have been far worse. So we are moving in the right direction, and uh, we'll just keep at it with the new diet and the battery of medications, and and hopefully she's going to continue to do better. But she's really, really not coughing. Her breathing's good. The, her lungs were clear on the x-ray, no fluid there, so that's great news. And she got cleared to, to do a little bit more exercise, and some light play if I happen to run into a dog friend, but she's, you know, nothing, she said no running on the beach crazy (laughs) off leash with another dog just yet, but moving in the right direction, so I am extremely grateful for that. Thank you to everybody who has continued to send in well wishes for Daisy and continued to ask about how Daisy is doing. All right, there is a lot to talk about in the world of Tesla this week. Let me get started with a very fun story kicking things off. The one and only known functioning Cybertruck prototype, it was romping around the Giga Texas construction site this week. A photo was, uh, a number of photos actually were posted on Reddit, and then later Tesla posted their own photos, and pictures just ended up getting out there. And my friend Trevor from Tesla Owners Online 
got Elon's attention. He was one of the first people to post the, the Reddit photo on Twitter. He did give credit to, to Reddit there, as he should do. And Elon responded to Trevor saying, I was just there driving Cybertruck around the site where it will be built, with an exclamation mark. So Elon uh, clearly had fun with that. Now, to me, I think it's pretty neat to see what is arguably a million-dollar prototype here. If not an actual cost to build, for sure in value. Like, if somebody stole the Cybertruck prototype and held it for ransom, they could absolutely get a million dollars from, from Tesla. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm not advocating that that should happen. Nobody should go out and kidnap the Cybertruck. But anyway, the point is, this is a one-of-a-kind, effectively million-dollar prototype. And Elon's out there romping it around the construction site. The pictures of it, if you've seen them online, it's covered in mud as, it, as it's driving around a dirt road-only job site. Which, by the way, is exactly what this truck will be doing for hundreds of thousands of future owners in, in the coming years. Uh, I wanted to mention, too, a couple of observations related to this uh, of, that I wanted to point out. Because one of the pictures is of the interior. And it's a good shot. The truck is out in the sun. It's a good, clean shot of the dashboard and the interior. And uh, because, and I bring this up specifically because I, again, had the great privilege of riding in it, seeing it on the reveal night at the event, but that was at night. It was under darkness, couldn't really get a great look at it. But what I found interesting about looking at the these daytime pictures of the prototype now is that the, you remember the sort of paper marble dashboard that's sort of the, the the really neat looking block dashboard in the Cybertruck prototype that had a you know kind of a marble pattern to it that was evidently made from some sort of like recycled or sustainable paper based thing well that's seemingly been replaced i don't know if it's just been taken out since they knew Elon was going to go out and play with the truck or or if they've just removed it and are making a change moving towards production and putting something else in to see what they want to actually bring to production. But anyway, that sort of, you know, again, I'm calling it just a paper marble dashboard has, uh, it has been replaced for the time being by what looks like just a very plain white block of kind of a ceramic white material similar to the, the ceramic white trim that's in the white interior Model 3s and Model Ys. And I started thinking about it. I was like, well, why? Why would they swap out that beautiful marble-looking, you know, very unique dashboard piece that they had at the reveal night? And what was interesting is uh, my friend and a listener of the podcast, Mark Benton, said that it, it was also like this, that the, the marble dashboard had been swapped out when it was on display at the Peterson Auto Museum. Early, I think that was, what was that, the beginning of the year, end of last year? Not too far away, not too long ago, right? So apparently they Tesla swapped this out a little while ago, and, and it got me thinking that my guess is that given the fact that this truck starts at $40,000, remember that, roughly the price of a standard range plus Model 3, I suspect that uh, it's probably going to have simpler materials like that basic 
flat white ceramic looking block. It's you know it's not real ceramic, but you know that sort of smooth white finish block that's in it now. And I I would expect the same goes for the black Alcantara headliner that you can see in that same picture from Giga Texas, which again, I couldn't really see that at the reveal because it's it's nighttime and it's black headliner. Um, but you know, those those two things, that that nice dashboard, that unique dashboard and that black Alcantara really plussed up the Cybertruck interior. And so uh, I have to wonder now if we should probably reset our expectations to 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 look like uh, a little step down, to, to have the plain white block uh, dashboard piece and then to probably have a more basic kind of headliner like the 3 and the Y have now. I mean, if the, if the Alcantara headliner was removed from the Model 3 after just a couple thousand cars, I would imagine the Cybertruck will probably also have a have the more, you know, basic non-Alcantara headliner in it. Again, I could be wrong, certainly, but I think it's fair as as we see the Cybertruck uh, and again and again and, and take note of these changes, it's at least I'm trying to set realistic expectations for myself. Whether you want to come along with me on that ride is certainly up to you, but, but I think, uh, you know, all those things considered... It may not quite look like the uh, the Cybertruck that was unveiled back in November of 2019. Uh, by the way, Elon also added as a follow-up tweet about this, quote, limited production of Model Y at Giga Texas this year, high volume next year, same with Berlin. So I'm not sure how far you want to read into that. But should you choose to read into it, you could say that his Model Y-centric answer to what was a Cybertruck question from Trevor, that same Twitter thread, that uh, it might suggest that the Cybertruck is not going to make it into production by the end of this year. But we do know, at the very least, whether it does or does not, the first 4680 battery cell uh, cars with structural battery pack are still on track to land in real customers' driveways in Europe and or the United States before the calendar flips to 2022, since the Model Y in Berlin for sure is using the 4680 instructional pack, and Giga Texas's Model Y presumably will also be the quote-unquote, well, I'm calling it this, the Model Y 2.0, because it is going to be a very different car under the skin than the Model Ys that are in many of your driveways now. Next up this week, Elon has given an update on full self-driving Beta 9. You may remember the tweet from Elon last week when he said, quote, almost ready with FSD Beta version 9. It's a uh, step change improvement is massive, especially for weird corner cases and bad weather. Pure vision, no radar. Now, He's mentioned this before, meaning that they were going to go with a vision-only system, but it sounds like it's very imminent now. So when he posted that, I responded asking about the fact that we were previously told that radar was really useful, such as by uh, the fact that the car 
would automatically apply the brakes or do so extra quickly in a panic stop situation because the radar is programmed to, it, it can bounce under the car in front of you to see the car two cars ahead of you when it brakes hard. So rather than waiting for the car right in front of you, your car is going to start braking when the car two cars up starts braking hard. Now, I did not get a response to that particular tweet from Elon, but thankfully others did later in the week. Omar from the Whole Mars blog wrote, can you tell us more about your thinking behind the pure vision approach? Lots of people are arguing that no radar is a step backwards. Why did you guys decide it was better not to use it? So thank you, Omar, for putting that out because Elon did respond and he said this, when radar and vision disagree, which one do you believe? Vision has much more precision, so better to double down on vision than to do sensor fusion. Sensors are a bitstream, uh, yeah, I did read that right. Sensors are a bitstream and cameras have several orders of magnitude more bits per second than radar or LIDAR. Radar must meaningfully increase the signal to noise of bitstream to be worth the complexity of integrating it. As vision, uh, as vision processing gets better, it just leaves radar far behind, end quote. Uh, and a follow-up from another Twitter user that asks, again, that same question I was trying to get answered, posing the same example. The person tweeted, if I am the third car in a row and the first one stops, my Model 3 can detect that by bouncing the radar waves underneath the car directly in front. Will this still work with pure vision? And Elon did respond to that person and said, quote, these things are best thought of as probabilities. There are five forward-facing cameras. It is highly likely that at least one of them will see multiple cars ahead, end quote. And so it sounds like future Teslas won't have any radar hardware in them at all. In fact, Elon said they would remove the part in the future. So therefore, I would guess that, for instance, the aforementioned Cybertruck, as an example, probably will not have any radar hardware in it. Anyway, though, uh, I want to say I very much appreciate that explanation. It really does help a lot. Like, it helps. I'm not an autopilot engineer. I'm not an AI researcher. I'm just a, you know, I'm just a, a moron who loves driving by Tesla on autopilot. And so that, uh, that explanation does help a lot because I'd been scratching my head on this until we got those tweets from Elon because, uh, the rate radar is where Tesla had been going. I, I wanted to just go ahead and dig this up for you just as a historical example. So the following that I'm going to read to you is an excerpt from a blog on Tesla's website, on tesla.com, called Upgrading Autopilot, Seeing the World in Radar. This is from September of 2016, and if you've been following Tesla for a long time, you may know that that this, is, uh, this blog was posted in the wake of an accident that killed a gentleman by the name of Joshua Brown. Now, Mr. Brown uh, was very much not using autopilot properly, but that's not the point of this, so I'm not going to get into that here. Here's an excerpt from that blog on tesla.com from 2016. Quote, The radar was added to all Tesla vehicles in October 2014 as part of the autopilot hardware suite, but was only meant to be a supplementary sensor to the primary camera and image processing system. 
Sound familiar? After careful consideration, we now believe it can be used as a primary control sensor without requiring the camera to confirm visual image recognition. The net effect of this, and I'm skipping ahead now to later in the blog, the net effect of this, combined with the fact that radar sees through most visual uh, obscuration, is that the car should almost always hit the brakes correctly even if a UFO were to land on the freeway in zero visibility conditions. Taking this one step further, a Tesla will also be able to bounce the radar signal under a vehicle in front using the radar pulse signature and photon time of flight to distinguish the signal and still brake even when trailing a car that is opaque to both vision and radar. The car in front might hit the UFO in dense fog, but the Tesla will not, end quote. So as you see, they started with pure vision, went to radar in the wake of the Joshua Brown incident because uh, the the uh, basically the vision, vision-centric system contributed to the Joshua Brown accident. Not was direct cause. Again, there was a lot of, there was a user error situation there basically too, but they started with vision, went to radar, and now they're going back. And that's what I find really interesting because that, again, that's the point I'm trying to make here. I'm not trying to hold Tesla accountable to something that they said and held true five years ago. That would be foolish. And quite frankly, for a company that is constantly evolving, learning, and oh, by the way, inventing this whole FSD thing as they go, it would be counterproductive of me to do that. So the point here is that Tesla has evolved their thinking on this. If you also note that for context, in September of 2016, when that blog went up, Tesla was still on autopilot one. They were, uh, at that point in time, about to move on to their own camera and hardware system after they went through a very messy divorce with Mobileye, which was the company that helped create the hardware for Autopilot One. But now, here we are now, 2021, with the Hardware 3 computer and a very talented in-house Autopilot team and billions of miles of real-world data from the fleet, And so Elon and Tesla clearly now believe that a vision-based system is indeed the way forward. Uh, And as a bonus, having read that blog from 2016 for the first time in five years, I haven't looked at it since it went up. I only read you a snippet of it, by the way, though. It sounds like if I'm interpreting all of this correctly, and I've seen others speculate on this as well, but it sounds like getting rid of radar might finally cure the phantom braking issue that has uh, troubled many of us in recent years. It should hopefully go away forever when the radar does. Based on, again, this based on my interpretation of that, again, I've seen others speculate the same, so we'll see, but check out that whole blog from 2016 if you're curious. I mean, you can just Google the title of it that I that I read to you earlier. But the bottom line for me here is that Now I'm even more eager to try out this City Streets full self-driving beta whenever I get my hands on it because it's not only going to be a a total level up feature-wise and functionality-wise, it's going to be attacking the autopilot challenge in an entirely new way, purely vision-based, all eight cameras, not just the radar and the front cameras. 
So hopefully we are only a month or two away from the button. Speaking of the button, later on in the week, Elon gave another separate update on that, which is, of course, the public beta download option for the City Streets full self-driving beta build 9. Via Twitter, Elon said, Button timing for May is aspirational. It depends on how well the limited beta of version 9.0 goes, but I would be surprised if the wide beta, aka button, is later than June. FSD subscription next month, again meaning May, is a sure thing, end quote. Now before you get too excited, I would not necessarily count that FSD subscription chicken before it hatches. Uh, it's great that Elon is confident enough to say that May is a sure thing, but as we know, and as, the, as Elon himself has acknowledged over the years, release date estimates are where Elon tends to get a little overly optimistic sometimes. I mean, heck, look no further than the refreshed Model S's that if Elon had been correct with the timeline he'd given there, those would have been out for almost two months already as we sit here. Um, and of course, this, this FSD beta itself was originally mentioned multiple times by Elon as coming by the end of last year. But I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to say... Temper the expectations, the confidence is good. It is very good news that all seems to be progressing well. Uh, more tweets from Elon this week. He was fairly active when it comes to Tesla on Twitter this week. Sometimes he will say a lot of Tesla stuff in a given week on Twitter. Some weeks, not at all. Uh, this was a pretty good week for us on the Tesla side. Ride the Lightning listener Jason from Arizona asked Elon, any software release add-ons for standard range plus Model 3 owners that physically have the hardware installed? Interior lights, fog lights, acceleration boost. And Elon replied, we'll investigate. And I thought this was interesting because we were just talking about this uh, on the Ride the Lightning Hotline, what, a week or so ago? So perhaps Elon and the team will now be taking a closer look at making things like ambient lighting that's disabled in the standard range plus Model 3, an in-app upgrade for the standard range plus owners after all. I would love to see that. Another Ride the Lighting listener, Melanie from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, asked Elon, when can we expect AI Day? To which Elon responded, probably late July. So if that timing holds, you know, we've had Autonomy Day a couple years ago, we had Battery Day last year, if the timing on AI Day holds, uh, and, and plus the fact that, I mean, the pandemic is still here, but the fog is hopefully clearing by the summertime, starting to not, you know, maybe not entirely, but starting things are getting better. I wonder if Tesla will indeed do this as a, the, meaning this meaning AI Day, as a double feature along with the annual shareholders meeting, similar to what they did with Battery Day and the shareholder meeting last year. I mean, pandemic or not, it certainly makes things easier on Tesla if they only have to plan one big event instead of two separate events. Now, the shareholder meeting has traditionally been in early June, but as last year showed, they're not beholden to that. So we'll see. But I, I just wanted to comment and say I, am, I would not be surprised at all if AI Day ends up getting paired with the shareholder meeting. Uh, also on Twitter from Elon this week, this one's for my European friends. Someone asked Elon, 
Fixing the EU autopilot restrictions needs higher priority. It's putting off a bunch of people from buying a Tesla in Europe. Those cars are currently feature limited. To which Elon replied, hopefully addressed this summer. Now, presumably, he means there that it's tied to a larger regulatory push in Europe alongside the release of the City Street's full self-driving software, but we shall see. It's good to know for those of you in Europe that are currently suffering from uh, fewer autopilot features than, than your American counterparts due to EU regulations. This is nevertheless welcome news. Uh, one other brief update from Elon about more upcoming software features. He said on Twitter, quote, the next major software revision will do much better with automating wipers, seat heating, and defrosters. Probable seat settings just based on occupant mass distribution should be possible. In other words, customizing the seats more automatically. Now this might be, at this point, as we sit here in mid-April, we might be in the longest drought ever in Tesla history since the Model S launched of as far as how long it's been since functional major new features. It has been quite a while. I mean, I guess it's been, what, three and a half months or so, going on four months, because the big holiday update, from which, which came out on Christmas Eve, that was the last major update that added anything significant as far as new features go. Ever since then, it's been all minor stuff and bug fixes, and Tesla seemingly going all hands on deck for the new SNX UI uh, and whatever they're doing in the UI department to coincide with FSD, which I would imagine is first and foremost a new full self-driving visualization on the screen. Because the, the beta version, if you've seen any of the videos out there, it's just colored dots and like vector boxes. It's just showing a, a uh, digital skeleton of what the car sees from its, from its cameras and sensors. But I mean, you know, we, I'll tell you, we've been so spoiled by this company and by these cars that they continue to not only give out updates over the year for free, but that they add new stuff regularly while they do it. I mean, it's, it's such a great, great thing. And I hope that's one of those things where, because Tesla could absolutely charge for that or, or put it under the, the premium connectivity subscription, but I'm so glad they're just continuing to give away every software update completely for free. I mean, there are things, there are autopilot features that you do need the autopilot package for, but generally speaking, or the full self-driving package, I guess I should say. But there are, for the most part, any any software updates everybody benefits from, which is so great. Uh, now, as to these specific features that he mentioned... An upgrade to the neural net-powered windshield wipers would certainly be great, for sure. I'll say, I mean, we have our rainy season here in San Francisco, in the, the San Francisco Bay Area, which is kind of the, the late fall and winter months, and although we didn't get much rain this year, my most recent experience with it this past rainy season, it's pretty good for the most part, uh, where I would criticize it is in uh, a light mist when it's just sort of a light mist, I often have to go ahead and hit the button to swipe it myself. It's, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to be good at detecting that and, and swiping it out of the way. But generally speaking, 
it's I find it to be fairly good at its job. Now, uh, a seat that could auto adjust the bolster settings and and uh, the you know all the all the different seat settings to your body on its own. That sounds pretty neat too. Although that sounds like the kind of ambitious feature where I would not at all be surprised if that one ends up needing a revision or two to really get dialed in. Considering that as far as I know, no car has ever attempted something like that or done something like that before. But the bottom line here is it sounds like the dam is going to burst on the software update front pretty soon and we'll start to get a downpour of new features, both big and small. Again, that's it's such a big part of what makes these cars so much fun and keeps them being so much fun. All right. Uh, I have to really shift gears here, if you'll pardon the expression, since, of course, Teslas don't have gears. As all of you know, I do make a point to be... It is it is by design that this podcast is enthusiastic. It's just how I would prefer to operate. I'm doing this in my spare time. I'm not looking to, to dwell in negativity. Uh, there's enough negativity online and in the world in general that I would prefer not to add to it. I like that this podcast, for my own mental health and and enjoyment, it is a positive hour of Tesla fun. That's my goal with it, is that it's like a one-hour fun Tesla radio show that you can enjoy. Now, that said, longtime listeners out there will know that I will call out Tesla when I feel it's warranted. I am a trained journalist. I've got the degree, even though I work in enthusiast media by <laughs> by trade. I'm very fortunate to get to do what I do, but I am still a journalist at heart, and it is in my nature to call out the good and the bad, because quite frankly, if I don't call out the bad stuff, I think that makes my praise ring hollow, doesn't it? Wouldn't you agree with that? Now, anyway, where I'm going with this is uh, to talk about a situation that has arisen with regard to Tesla's solar, gl- uh, pardon me, solar glass roof installations. Try- I was getting ahead of myself there. Solar roof, no, solar glass roof installations. I received two emails this week, and this is on the back of other reports out in the Tesla community, but two listeners wrote me directly this week with very long, impassioned, uh, and, and, uh, what's the word I want? Distressed isn't the right word, but just very concerned emails. And I want to read you a part of each of them. This first one's from Joe in Pennsylvania. He wrote to me and said, a ton of people have gotten their prior contracts for their solar glass roof tile installation, have gotten their prior contracts canceled and received new agreements with significantly higher prices. I find myself in this boat. Mine went up by over $53,000. I had hoped it was some sort of administrative mix-up, but according to my account rep, it is not. I can either cancel my order and get my $100 deposit back or fork over the extra money after they install it. The rationale I was given was that it was a macro unforeseen circumstance, air quotes, Uh, He says the precise wording in their opt-out clause of the agreement, unforeseen circumstance, that they were not able to install larger or more complex roofs profitably at the prices they had previously quoted. As far as I am concerned, this should be a problem for them to deal with for subsequent customers, not those with signed contracts. 
They knew enough about my home to quote me a price and create a design which I accepted. I am aware that this is by no means the worst problem I could have, but as a problem, as a person who really likes Tesla, I own one and I'm looking forward to getting a second, it makes it hard now to recommend them to people if they pull this sort of nonsense. Hopefully the blowback on this will help get some of the powers that be to change their mind. Thank you, Joe, for writing in. I appreciate that because uh, I had not had a chance to dig into this until I heard from you. And now here's Dan, who coincidentally, so a man of my own heart, he uh, after my, he's also a former DeLorean owner who is now a Tesla owner. Anyway, Dan writes in, beyond my personal frustration, I feel for those individuals materially harmed by this decision. And as you can guess, Dan is affected by this as well. I'm skipping ahead a little in Dan's email. Some folks have already incurred expenses in preparation, such as tree removal, electrical panel upgrades, etc., or have suffered through winter with tarps awaiting install, all with signed agreements in hand. I truly hope Tesla reevaluates the downstream damages here. We're all ostensibly brand ambassadors. My solar roof order is the third Tesla energy project in my family, and my neighbors are eager to see it ahead of making their solar decision. Model 3 test drives I've extended to friends have resulted in purchases, and as we know, the word-of-mouth engagement of this community has undoubtedly aided Tesla in its stated mission. The violation of these agreements slash trust combined with the lack of clear communication is terribly disappointing. Some transparency surrounding their internal calculus would go a long way. Beyond that, I feel shaken as an enthusiast, day one Model 3 reservation holder and shareholder. Now again, Joe and Dan are not the only ones. There are others out there in the same position, and they're, they're reporting the same thing. And simply put, this is not okay. Even if Tesla can legally do it, per Joe's note about the wording in, their, in the opt-out clause in the contract, the fact that Joe and Dan and others have signed agreements means the price should be pretty darn closely well-honored. I mean, I can't imagine Joe or, or, or any, you know, any, of these, any of the folks affected here would be too upset if the price went up like a couple of grand for some something, some reason or another. But that's not what happened here. The price of the project, which again, these customers have signed contracts for, went up, at least in the case uh, of Joe, it went up by the price of a Model Y. Think about that. That is, that is a lot of money. Now, while it's true that there's no other company offering a product like this right now, Advantage Tesla, that doesn't forgive Tesla here, and nor would it even if there were competitors who were also offering solar glass roof tiles. I mean, I would have to imagine that, that Joe and, and Dan and others affected, are they're going to think twice about doing business with Tesla in the future. I mean, at least certainly with the energy side of the business, and perhaps with all sides of the business too. Now, in fairness, again, trying to keep my journalism hat on here, in fairness, this is only one side of the story. Grant, I mean, we hold, heard from a couple people here, but this is just one side. We don't have any statements from Tesla. So I'm acknowledging that. I'm, not, uh, I'm neither forgiving them for not giving a... I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I mean, it's, it, it's not great that they're just quiet as of this recording, but 
This is one of those times where if this were two years ago, I would have reached out as soon as I got the first email about this to Tesla's public relations department to try and get a statement from the company about this. But unfortunately, as you've heard before, uh, and well, unfortunately for me as a media guy, certainly, since that's PR's job is to interface with media, Tesla no longer has a PR department. So, I mean, I've often said that for me, for me, Tesla has earned the benefit of the doubt in many cases because historically, again, in my opinion, they've generally done or tried to do the right thing by their customers. This does not appear to be an example of them doing that. So while I would love to present Tesla's side of this, we don't have any comment from them as of now. So my point in going through this is uh, to try and raise awareness of it on behalf of Joe, on behalf of Dan, on behalf of the other customers who have been put in this same unfortunate position. This is a lot. These are big money projects. These are, this is your home. I mean, a car is a major purchase. Don't get me, a, a car is usually the second most major purchase you make other than your home. But your home's number one. It's, uh, I think for most people, your home is number one on your, on your priority list, your spending list. It's what costs the most in your life. So this is, this is uh, not to be taken lightly here. So I want to raise this, uh, this issue and use my platform here to hopefully somebody at Tesla. I mean, I know there are Tesla employees that listen to this. I don't know in what departments, but I'm hoping that somebody out there uh, will take a look at this and will will escalate it, whether it's you know to Elon or to to whomever it needs to go to. Uh, but I, I do hope that Tesla makes Joe and Dan and, and these customers whole again in some way, because the the situation as it is does not appear to be fair or just in any way, and it seems quite frankly very un-Tesla-like. This just doesn't seem that seem like them in my opinion, again. So uh, good luck to all of you out there listening that that may be in the similar position with your solar glass roof installation. I hope Tesla makes this right for you somehow. All right. Uh, Finally this week, just to get back to something more fun, or at least some near future fun, Tesla has announced their earnings call date for their record-setting first quarter. It's going to be on April 26th, which is a Monday. Now, I'm going to go ahead here. I'm going to take credit for this, for this (laughs) happening on April 26th, earlier than expected. I think I summoned this by virtue of the fact that I recorded the podcast early last week. and, uh, And guess what? This was announced the next day after I recorded on a Friday when I normally would not have recorded yet. And of course I got on the air and said, well, it's usually Wednesday. I'll bet it's going to be Wednesday, the 28th. So it's, it's almost as if, uh, Martin Vietcha, Tesla's head of, of investor relations secretly supports me on Patreon and heard the show from Patreon early access Friday morning, and then just made that change to mess with me. But obviously no, that's, (laughs) I'm kidding around. That certainly did not happen, but, but yeah, but, In all seriousness, Tesla, to my knowledge, has always done their earnings calls on Wednesdays for whatever reason. My guess is it's probably an Elon scheduling thing since, uh, at least 
prior to his recent move to Texas, Wednesday would be, and it might still be for all I know, I, I don't know anymore, but Wednesday used to be one of his San Francisco Bay Area days because he would spend two days a week up here, one day at Fremont and one day at Palo Alto in the corporate headquarters. Although, again, and then the rest of the week he'd be in LA, you know, SpaceX and and or the design, Tesla Design Center. Though, again, he may now have a new schedule since he's headquartered in Texas and he's got the Boca Chica site for SpaceX and the Giga Texas site going up in Austin that I talked about earlier. So anyway, point is, Monday, April 26th. So uh, I I don't know why it's on the Monday. Maybe there's a SpaceX launch that's going to be on the 28th that, that conflicts for Elon. But the point is, I will have my usual recap and analysis with highlight clips from Elon and all the executives on the call. That'll be in two episodes from now, which will be, coincidentally, episode 300. So this should be a really, really fun earnings call. All right, that's all the Tesla news I've got for you this week, but there is plenty more. I've got a bunch of your excellent phone calls lined up, ready to go in the Ride the Lightning hotline, so stay tuned for those right after this. Time for your voices to be heard here in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. You can dial in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take your same question and just dial up the Ride the Lightning hotline and leave a message anytime, day or night. The toll-free number that you can call into for that is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted like I would do with them, or you can put them onto a keepsake. Either way, visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Ken from Salt Lake City reacting to the announcement of the Beaver Utah Supercharger last week and the, the prefabricated construction there. Go ahead, Ken. Hey, Ryan, this is Ken. I am a longtime listener, live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Listening to your episode that just dropped yesterday, you mentioned the Beaver, Utah supercharging stations that were added. Um, I'm a, um, a frequent frequenter of that exact station. My wife and I have a home in St. George, Utah, and one in Salt Lake City. And we make the 300-mile um, beachway trip about three times a month. So, we stop at the Beaver uh, Supercharger station at least uh, four to six times a month. And it's true. It went from the standard eight-stall uh, V2 um, charging capability um, like a week ago. Uh, no, two, a week ago, we saw the new V3 chargers had been installed, and they, they were installed fast. And then yesterday on our trip from St. George back to Salt Lake, the new V3 chargers were live, and it's um, it's much needed. You know, Beaver sounds like an out in the middle of nowhere place, but it's it's not. It's a critical stop on the I-15 corridor. 
uh, between Las Vegas and or St. George and Salt Lake City. So anyway, it was a great stop, great addition. I love your uh, love your show. Thanks. Bye. Ken, I appreciate your personal perspective on this. I would imagine that Tesla counts this experiment as an absolute success. In fact, moving forward, I imagine that the biggest bottleneck might become the permitting process, if it's not already. So I wonder if Tesla's currently trying to rethink ways to speed that up too. I mean, I suppose the downside there is that permitting isn't in their direct control, but nevertheless, I expect that we're going to be seeing a lot more of this going forward. In fact, I wonder if they'll do the new 80-stall expansion of Harris Ranch, a.k.a. the soon-to-be-largest supercharging station in the world, this way. I mean, I'm sure we'll find out, because we know that there are plenty of eagle-eyed Tesla fans out there who take notice of this stuff. That and, well, it's not as if they'll be hiding the progress at Harris Ranch. It's one of the major waypoints along... What I would have to guess is probably one of the busiest Tesla corridors in the country, which is here between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Thanks, Ken. Let me go to Kaz in San Diego responding to Robert from Texas, who is calling in about Model X ride quality on the 20-inch X wheels versus the 22s. Hey, Kaz. Hey, Ryan. I wanted to respond to Robert in Texas asking about the Model X and ride quality and such between the 20 and 22 inch wheels. Um, given my position with the company, I've driven several hundred model X's and can honestly say that across both tire sizes, I've never had a moment where it stood out that one has any real difference over the other, uh, to kind of back up what you were saying about the model three. Um, so going with the much more attractive look of the 22s plus a very similar, if not identical ride quality, it's, uh, pretty persuasive. However, the mileage that you'll get and the expense for new tires and the range hit, those are pretty important things to consider. However, the ride quality really isn't a concern. It's still fantastic. I think that's in large part due to the suspension, that dynamic air suspension. Um, And real quick on the ambient lighting, I made the same mistake. I ordered footwell lighting from my standard range plus, not realizing that that wasn't something I could turn on. However, I can throw those in my wife's Model Y. But there are some really great full footwell front and rear lighting kits um, from third-party sellers like um, EvanX and uh, Teslarati and such. And they're pretty inexpensive. I'm probably going to do that myself. But take care. I hope that helps out. Kaz, I appreciate your insight here, especially since, as I mentioned in my initial response to Robert, that I've never driven an X with 22-inch wheels. Uh, I suspect you're right, though, that the air suspension is probably doing most of the work there. Because the X is a pretty big and heavy vehicle, and without that air suspension, I suspect there probably wouldn't be a a very tangible uh, difference between the two wheel sizes. So hopefully that helps Robert make an informed decision. And it does still remain to be seen how much more aerodynamically efficient these new 22-inch wheels are going to be compared with the outgoing 22-inch turbines. Thanks, Kaz. Michael from Saskatoon is up next. Hi, Ryan. It's Michael from Saskatoon, Canada. This is my first call, uh, but I've listened to every episode of Ride Lightning. Started about episode 50 and then went back and listened to the ones I missed. Today I have a question about some rumors that I've not heard about for a while. uh, Air suspension on the Model Y, which is what I'm looking for. 
Uh, I remember the tweet from Elon a long time ago that mentioned that the three would not have smart air suspension anytime soon. I looked it up and that was episode 211. And there was another definitive no for air suspension in episode 237. I thought that there was some discussion about the three not having enough room for the air suspension, but that the Model Y might have enough space. But I can't find that reference anywhere. I'm starting to wonder if I imagined it. Um, I found the Electric article from April 29th of 2020 about the Model Y, and everything points to uh, air suspension to come. That was a Model Y teardown. I can't find anything on the Tesla website that mentions air suspension for the Y, so I expect that it's not available anytime soon, but I can dream. Uh, have you heard anything in the past year? Is it on the feature list that's upcoming? Thanks for all you do, and I listen to the podcast every week. Michael, I am genuinely in awe of your kindness and your loyalty. Every episode of this thing, that is commendable. Thank you very much for that. That is, uh, you honestly, that like that makes my day hearing that 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 somebody would enjoy this enough to want to go back and listen to fifty back episodes in the back catalog after you came in around episode fifty. So thank you so much. Uh, to your question, it did come up recently. In fact, back on episode two eighty six, I had to go back to my notes. Our white hat hacker friend, Green the Only, had posted a picture of the dashboard screen from a new rev of the owner's manual in a then new software release, which and, and that image shows all of the icons when the car first turns on. You know, you got the stuff like the headlight icon, the parking brake icon, traction control icon, all that stuff. One of those icons was a Model 3 with a double-sided arrow pointing up and down underneath it. And Green said on Twitter, I guess add this one as another adjustable suspension is coming for 3 slash Y breadcrumbs. And, uh, and so, and then he adds, and now that it made it to the manual, it's probably sooner rather than later. So we'll see. I mean, if it's going to happen... I wonder if they're saving it for the, again, so-called by me, Model Y 2.0, the Berlin and Texas built cars that are going to use the structural battery pack and the new 4680 battery cells. So that's the latest on it. Still, you know, fairly recent, nothing official, but seemingly inching closer to it becoming a reality. I have not heard anything since then, but you know, that was only like three months ago. So still pretty recent past. Here is hoping that you get your wish sometime soon. Pascal from Morocco is up next. Welcome, Pascal. Hi, Ryan. This is Pascal from Morocco. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I have a question. Uh, I looked at the, the Tesla website for used cars, uh, the French website, and uh, there's almost nothing in there. Uh, I guess it's quite the same in the U.S., uh, but uh, on another hand, there are a lot of cars in, uh, listed in, in websites like Craigslist in, in the US. And my question is, uh, is there any uh, advantage to, to buy the car used directly from Tesla? Or it's, uh, it's quite the same thing to buy from, uh, from, uh, directly from an owner? So... What are the the pros and the cons? Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Pascal, I would say there's one major advantage either way. If you buy from Tesla, 
you'll get a warranty. That is important, certainly. But if you buy from a private owner or a third party, you might get a better price and or value if the car already has the full self-driving package, which of course has been going up in price, which Tesla, if you go to get a a pre-owned car through them, Tesla will remove that package from the car and then charge you full price for it on that used car that someone has traded in. So I guess you kind of have to decide which of those is more valuable to you, but I hope that helps you uh, in in your ongoing shopping. Randy from San Francisco is up next. Go ahead, Randy. Hi, Ryan. This is Randy from San Francisco. I bought my 2021 Standard Range Plus about three weeks ago, and I've already taken it on a road trip from San Francisco to Palm Springs and back. I have to say the autopilot was fantastic and really made the boring drive on I-5 enjoyable. But one problem with it is the phantom braking. It mainly happened on two-lane roads coming to the crest of a hill. I read on a Reddit thread that eliminating the radar and using only the vision will possibly solve the phantom braking. Do you think that's a possible solution? Anyway, thanks and really enjoy your podcast. As you heard me talk about earlier in this podcast, Randy, yes, I share that belief with you. It does make sense as Tesla explained it in that five-year-old blog. So hopefully that will prove to be the case once it's implemented here in 2021. By the way, congratulations on your new Model 3, and I am very happy to hear that you are enjoying it thus far. Uh, One more call for this week, and it comes from Walt in Manchester, California. Hi, Ryan. Walt Rush from Manchester, California. I have a friend that's wanting to get a Model 3, and they were asking me if Sirius Radio was available to get into the car one way or another. Give Daisy the Boxer a nice hug from me. Have a great day. Thanks. Hey, Walt. Well, I hate to end this segment on a bit of a bad news note, but unfortunately the answer is no, at least for now. Evidence of more music services have been found in the firmware, and we've started to see that come to fruition a little bit, but for now, there is no way to natively listen to Sirius XM in a Model 3. Uh, And I'm right there. I want it too. I I am lucky. I have a subscription myself. I was lucky enough to get a lifetime subscription back when I bought my last new car before my Model 3, which was back in 2006, which is back when when Sirius was still selling lifetime subscriptions. I bought one thinking I would have that car for a long time. I did. That lifetime subscription paid for itself many times over. It's probably why they stopped offering lifetime subscriptions years ago, because they realized, wait a second, these are not a good deal for us, uh, us meaning the company. But anyway, I would love to have the option to easily and directly listen to SiriusXM in my Model 3. But for now, the only way you can do it is through the Bluetooth connection to your phone and have the SiriusXM app running on your phone. But of course, then... If you're even in that situation, you can't really change the station safely since it's not on your car touchscreen controls or your steering wheel controls. You know, you don't you don't want to. And in fact, in some states, it's illegal to have to be manipulating your phone while you drive. So I should I should make that abundantly clear. I'm not advocating. uh, I'm not suggesting anybody do that. But anyway, fingers crossed that native Sirius XM support gets added to the Model 3 and Model Y at some point. 
Thank you to everybody who called in this week. A bunch of great calls once again. And uh, keep them coming. Again, I gave you the call-in information at the top of the segment, either the toll-free number or just emailing me the, uh, the recording from your phone. So we'll do those again next week, of course. But stick with me for now because this podcast is not quite over. I've got a bit more for you coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. I'll give you a quick movie recommendation, something I had heard nothing but good things about, but it just didn't see it, didn't catch it in the theater, hadn't seen it yet. Knives Out from writer-director Ryan Johnson. It absolutely lived up to everybody's good words about it. What a fun, excellent movie. Great cast. Excellent story. Daniel Craig, uh, just Don Johnson, a a ton of great, just great actors, uh, great performances in this thing. Awesome murder mystery. It's on Amazon Prime. I'm sure you can also rent it in in other areas, but it's it's free with Prime. Uh, So check that out if you have not seen it. It was definitely very good. Highly recommended. Uh, Pro tip of the week time. Here's Corey from Westchester, New York. Ryan, thanks for everything you do. Um, and sending a virtual dog treat to Daisy. Wanted to give you a quick pro tip. Uh, one of the issues I have is if I don't have the right position, my back hurts. So it took me, I don't know, six months to a year after getting the, uh, the Model 3 to actually get my seat into the right position. And lo and behold, one day while setting someone else's profile, I hit save on my profile by mistake, lost that seat position. So my pro tip of the week is if someone is as meticulous about getting their seat right as I am, best thing to do is set up a separate profile that you just call backup and back up that seat position to the backup profile. And anytime you change your seat position, if you do, save it to the backup profile too. And that will save you from a lot of heartache in trying to refind your exact seat position after you've screwed it up. So I hope that helps. And thanks again for everything you do. I love that tip, Corey. Thank you very much for suggesting that. That fits nicely with other good seat profile stuff that I've seen people do, like making a nap profile for superchargers where the seat is all the way back as far as it'll go. So uh, thank you. I appreciate your call. And again, if anybody out there has a pro tip of the week, something like that, something unique and of interest that's not obvious or in the manual that you'd like to share with your fellow owners and Tesla enthusiasts, you can call in the same way, the same two easy ways that you send in your Ride the Lightning hotline calls. Alrighty, with that, it is time to get rolling. We've just mentioned a few friends of the podcast. First, abstractocean.com. Still rolling out the red carpet for listeners of this podcast, as they have been so kind to do for a long time now. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. And what will you buy? Perchance. Well, as I like to say, Abstract Ocean is like the Costco of Tesla accessories. They've got a ton of stuff, virtual aisles and aisles and aisles of it. 
whether it's the tempered glass screen protector, center console wraps, uh, rear footwell lighting kit, which is really nice, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, so your drink's not wobbling around in those fixed fixed uh, cup holders that we've got in our cars. All kinds of stuff. That's a, that's a drop in the bucket. Uh, some of their most popular stuff are either different colored and or brighter white, interior ambient lighting kits, trunk lighting, frunk lighting. There's a ton of stuff. You gotta go check it out for yourself, abstractocean.com. Meanwhile, get your snap plate at everyamp.com slash RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off securely, I might add, in seconds, and it won't mess with your paint, your grill, your radiator, your autopilot, nothing. It is a nice, clean, minimalist design. It is the front plate, front plate holder for people like me that hate having to do a front plate. So you can take it on and off for car shows while you're cleaning it, put it on at, at uh, parking meters, etc. Everyamp.com slash RTL. Uh, how about puretesla.com slash RTL? $49 will get you, by the way, shipped free anywhere in the US. It will get you a dash cam and sentry mode kit sent straight to your door pre-formatted, ready to go. It's micro SD based, so it's going to be good for the long haul. Uh, I've I'd been using mine for quite a while and no issues whatsoever. It's just easy. Definitely recommend it. Yes, I know the new Teslas do come with a USB stick, but it is USB flash. It is probably, I mean, history says, my own history uh, and others too, it will not last uh, with that just constant reading and writing. USB flash memory is not meant for that. Get your long-term solution at puretesla.com slash RTL. Uh, meanwhile, if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area or you're going to be here with your car, you might want to visit Immaculate Reflections, which is just a, uh, that is Jeff and his wonderful detailing talents he will do your ceramic coating if you don't want to wax your car for the next, oh, three to five years. He'll do paint protection film on some or all of your car if you don't want to see the paint get slowly chipped away by rocks and debris. He'll do paint correction to want to straighten up, just clean up some of those factory flaws or things that have, you know, maybe accidentally been wiped into the paint like you know a, a little pebble on a car wash mitt that you know you don't see and there's just all kinds of things and and Jeff is a miracle worker he will keep your car he will get your car looking new or better i think mine looks better than new quite frankly because he did a heck of a paint correction job on my car it looks fantastic anyway it's if you're going to get in there make sure you mention that you're a ride the lightning listener because there is a nice discount waiting for listeners of this show you can get in contact with Jeff and see more of his work, find out more about him at IR Detailing, which of course stands for Immaculate Reflections, irdetailing.com. And then we of course have Jada. Jada continues to innovate and do some cool stuff. They've got their new Jada tray. It is a tech-focused center console organizer for the Model 3 and the Model Y, which will uh, wirelessly charge your uh, Apple AirPods in the case or your Pixel Buds. 
It's pretty nice. Take a look at it, at least, on the website. They, of course, also have their USB hub for adding a bunch more USB ports right in the center console, which, and then there's there's an accessory for that, if you want, which is the uh, Jada SSD drive, a, a 256 gig SSD drive for your Sentry mode. So, so some of those work together. Otherwise, the rest of them can can work independently. But I am a big fan of the wireless charging pad in particular. That is definitely if you unless you have a brand new three or Y, uh, you don't have that already in your car, and it's it's a great convenience feature to have that wireless phone charging. If you're going to get any of that, please use my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight and Jada spelled J-E-D-A. And by the way, don't forget to use the coupon code R-T-L when you get there because it is going to get you a nice little discount there as well. Finally, there is simply the Patreon. I mention it every week, but it is the way that, uh, that I am able to keep this podcast going. My goal is to keep, you know, I'm here every Sunday. I pride myself on that. I try to do the best podcast I can, the most research, the most enthusiasm, the most organized radio show-like flow. I'm doing my best to put something really enjoyable and informative together for you each and every week. And should you come to a point, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, next week, what have you, where you think, you know what? Ryan has earned my support and I'm going to I'm going to support him. You can do that on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month, and that five dollars a month will get you early access to each week's show. You could also do an annual pledge where uh, it's 5% discount for just paying a lump sum for a year, so you'll save a little bit and support me uh, on a you know annual basis rather than just a monthly one. So anyway, enough of that, but I do want to mention it just in case you feel like, you know what, Ryan, this is the day. This is the day that I'm going to support you on Patreon. It'll always be voluntary, of course. The show will always be free. It'll always come out every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, but uh, I would be humbled and grateful if at some point you are willing and able to support me on Patreon. Speaking of which, I want to mention the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier folks. We've got some new ones in each category on the Roadster in Space side. Hello, Sean Neidig. Thank you so much for upgrading your pledge to the Roadster in Space tier. Looking forward to speaking with you. Uh, Also in the Roadster in Space tier group, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, and Lawton from Chicago. Thanks to all of you. On the Maximum Plaid front, the newest Maximum Plaid backer there, Will Stedman. Will, thank you for upgrading your pledge. And I want to thank as well the other Maximum Plaid folks, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Ebersole, 
Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, and MT. Thank you all very much. And then the Plaid Crew. Love the Plaid Crew as well. The newest Plaid backer, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin. I am so humbled and grateful. Now, I've got several of the Tesla official Tesla Owners Clubs supporting the podcast. That that really warms my heart. That is the Tesla community supporting me. I mean, that is, I love that. I am so grateful for that. So thank you to the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin joining the Tesla Owners Club of Taiwan and the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley. Great stuff. Thank you to the Wisconsin crew. And then the rest of the Plaid level supporters, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the aforementioned Tesla owners, Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy. Ah, of course I left out, how could I forget? The Tesla Owners East Bay Club. Yes, I'm so sorry, guys. You guys have been backing me for a while now. They all, I love it. The, the owner's club uh, support, that really, uh, that really makes me feel good. Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, and Matt Nixon. So thanks to everybody for their continued Patreon support. That is the electricity. That is the fuel that makes this podcast go uh, as I, as I uh, work hard on it and, and make time for it each and every week. All right, that will do it for a snoozing, snoring Daisy the Boxer puppy. I am Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 298. I will see you back at the usual time, of course, next week. Happy electric motoring, my friends. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.